And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Hold on, because they they, they feeling it already. I'm going to run it back one more time. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Yes. I'm going to do it one more time. All right. All right. All right. And we know that for those who love God, now turn to your neighbor, say all things work together for good. For good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Romans 8, 28. Now it's your turn. All right. Who knows Spanish? Praise up. Okay, no much, but you know. Y sabemos que a los que aman a Dios, todas las cosas les ayudan a bien. Esto es a los que conforme a su propósito son llamados. Again. One more time. Y sabemos que los que aman a Dios Todas las cosas les ayudan a bien. Esto es a los que conforme a su propósito son llamados. Come on, y'all give God some praise in the room. Anybody ready for the word of the Lord this morning? Let's pray. Father in heaven, God of all grace and mercy, in this moment and in this hour, we are reminded of the weight of your glory and the magnitude of your majesty. Words could not comprehend or fully express our gratitude this morning towards you because you came into our lives through the cross of Jesus Christ and sacrificed your only son. But God, we are all the more grateful that you didn't leave him in the grave, but by your power, you raised him up on the third day. And I pray that today would not just be mechanical Easter Christianity, but instead that that same power that raised Jesus from the dead will be evident in this place. Show yourself to be God and do what you do transform and conform lives and minds under your authority. Hide my flesh behind the cross. Have your way in this place. I ask this in Jesus' name. And all those who believe in an empty tomb said, amen. Amen. I think it's going to be all right. Y'all ready? Okay. Now, some of y'all may be too young to remember this movie. But I'm going to throw it out there anyways. I know those who laugh, they know the movie. Those who are looking strange, just whisper to them, it's going to be all right. (laughs) Some of you may remember the superhero movie called Blank Man. It's just a few people in the room that knows it. Praise God. It's a 1994 American superhero comedy. The setup, Daryl Walker, Damian Wayans, is a clumsy, nerdy repairman who is a genius in a Batman fan. Any Batman fans in the room? All right, two of y'all in the room. Any Jesus fans in the room? All right, there we go. There we go. I know what to do. If all else fails, I'm going to Jesus. All right. 
Daryl has a pure heart and an optimistic personality. He is childishly naive to the realities of living in an inner city neighborhood. The area suffers from political corruption and the police are on strike. It takes the murder of his grandmother, an avid supporter of Alderman Marvin Harris, anti-corruption campaign for mayor by the members of mobster Michael Millennial Gang to awaken him to the realities of his city's urban decay. Awakened to the city issues, Daryl is inspired to become a vigilante superhero. He uses his technical expertise to create weapons and gadgets. Blank man. Friends, we are like blank man. We live in a corrupt world. We live in a world of sin. We live in a world of senseless crimes. And sometimes, like blank man, it takes something tragic to happen close at home to wake us up. Like that recent tragedy of Nipsey Hussle. When Nipsey Hussle went down, it seems as if the entire world was awakened to the decay of our society. We live in a senseless world of crime. And here's the reality. No one can avoid the corruption of this world. Even after salvation, as Christians, we still experience suffering. We have learned of this for the past couple of weeks. If you take up space on this planet, suffering is coming over for a visit. Suffering makes us wonder. Suffering brings questions such as, why do the righteous suffer? Why do Christians suffer? Why does a God of love and power permit his loved ones to go through anguish here on earth? These are some of the thorniest questions ever asked of Christians. Any of us who have been in the place of pain and suffering, or who have watched others go through these times of heartache and anguish, have felt the force of these questions come home. Friends, you don't know pain until it's in your household. You don't know pain until it hits close at home. But some of us in the room, we have been through some things and have doubted God sometimes. I know we're in church, but I know that you had moments when suffering has hit so hard that it rocked your faith. But if we're truly honest, we have not only felt like blank man, but we have acted as blank man. We have become so frustrated at this life, we tend to want to take matters in our own hands. We want to solve the problems of the world, but we are forever hunted and arrested with the fact that we can't even solve our own problems and our own sins. Friends, be encouraged because Paul, the writer of our text today, graduated magna cum laude from the school of hard knocks. 
in history. If ever there were a person who suffered, it was the Apostle Paul. That's why the Apostle Paul is my homeboy, because I need to relate to somebody that's been through some things. As I said a couple weeks ago, you're not qualified to talk to me about going through suffering unless you've been through some suffering. You ever had somebody talk to you that ain't never been through nothing? You better get on out of my way. I need to talk to somebody who's been through this thing. Well, the Apostle Paul has. Check out his resume. He was shipwrecked, left to float on sea. He was beaten with rods many times. He was hounded and hungry. He was in prison often. He was beset with an incurable physical infirmity. And he struggled with indwelling sin to the point that he cried out, Oh, wretched man that I am. I love Paul. He's quite honest. A lot of us, we like to be kind of clean cut and, and real smooth and act like ain't nothing wrong with us. But if the apostle Paul called himself wretched, you know good and well that you wretched. I know you got your new Easter outfit on and you're looking real good and nice and clean, but I know you. Just keep looking up here. But in spite of his suffering, Paul faced suffering with the confidence of Steph Curry at the free throw line. And how in the world did Paul maintain joy in the midst of pain, in the midst of suffering, and in the midst of struggle? Paul, how did you do it? And how do we maintain joy in the midst of our blank. You just fill it in. How do I maintain my joy in the midst of my blank, whatever it may be? I love the way one preacher said it. He said, how do you trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding? How do you do that? How do you do that when you don't understand what you are going through, when it makes no sense? When the experience that you are undergoing is so heavy and so dark that you can't make the end of it from the beginning. Is anybody in here with me this morning? You do not know up from down yourself. You can't breathe. It's so heavy on you. It doesn't make sense. You can't see how it's going to work out in the end. You don't even know how it's going to serve the interests of your own sanctification. How do you go on in that circumstance? What do you do when the phone rings and you pick it up and there are the words, it's cancer? Or the phone rings and you pick it up and the answer is, she's gone. What do you do in those moments? When the floor is pulled from underneath your feet. What do you do when all hope is lost? What do you do when the darkness closes in, when the walls are closing in on you? What do you do in those moments, church? Well, family, I want to encourage you this morning by reminding you that God has given us a truer and better blank man. A blank man that is an answer to whatever blank you may have this morning. And if you've been here with us, you know that we have been traveling through the book of Romans. Written by the Apostle Paul. Paul has been keeping it 100 with us. He hasn't given us a candy cane gospel. He has introduced us to suffering in verse 18 of this very chapter. For nine verses, he carefully weaves, watch this, glory and suffering. 
Okay, okay, you didn't shout. Okay, I said for, for, for nine verses, he has been weaving glory in suffering. Okay, you didn't shout. Okay, let me help you out. Glory and suffering from the human perspective don't go together. But Paul is weaving suffering and glory together. You ought to shout right there. Here's the reality, church. If you're going to participate in the glory of Christ, you must enroll in the school of suffering. In fact, when you sign up to Jesus, you sign up for the school of suffering. I just bust somebody's bubble. Let me say it again. When you sign up for Jesus, you automatically are enrolled into the school of suffering. You didn't get the 66-book syllabus when you get enrolled in school from Genesis to Revelation. It tells us that we will suffer. But here's Paul, like a good pastor. By way of encouragement, Paul reminds us upon completion of this school, those who cling to Christ, those who trust in Christ, will be raised from the dead. Or let me say that again. Those who trust in Christ. Those who cling to Christ will be raised from the dead. Y'all hold y'all shout. I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. And we will receive glorified bodies. Now, I don't know about you, but I can't wait for that glorified body. I can't, oh, I can't, oh, I can't wait for that glorified body. I ain't got to go buy no more clothes no more. I'll be clean. I'll be dressed in the glory of God. I can't wait. But that's a little side note. In addition, but hold on, in addition to the future hope, Paul has also told us, church, we have right now the Holy Spirit himself, the third person of the Trinity who intercedes for us. And when we have come to the end of our rope and when we have no words and, and life has beaten us to the point we have no capacity to express. Have you ever been so down that it was hard for you to pray? You couldn't even articulate a prayer. You ever been pressed so hard? But here's the good news that we learned last week. Even when you can't pray, God is praying for you. The Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Friends, in every course that we take in this life, the Holy Spirit is there with us, tutoring and helping and aiding us along. As Christians, we rejoice in the fact that we will get new bodies. We rejoice in the fact that the Spirit indwells us and helps us. But if we're honest this morning, in the middle of my trouble, in the middle of my pain, in the middle of I don't know what, in the middle of I don't know how, sometimes I need a promise that can speak into my situation and assure me that everything is going to be all right. Oh, I'm preaching better than y'all responding, but that's okay. God promises that everything is going to be all right in his word. God promises I'm going to talk to y'all over here. God promises that everything is going to be all right in his word. Okay, I got that side with me. I'm coming over here. God promises that everything is going to be all right in his word. 
Okay, I got this side with me. I'm coming over here to y'all. God promises that everything is going to be all right in his word. All right, they just showing out now, ain't they? They just showing out. But I believe it's a promise that every Christian should know and every Christian should cling to. And here it is. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Hold your shout. I got to do my work real fast. I want to make sure you know why you're shouting, okay? We're going to shout, but I want you to know why you're shouting. For those who are called according to his purpose. What do we see here? Observation number one. Number one, absolutely every blank, you fill it in, is ordered by God for your good. Everything that comes into your life is ordered by God for your good. Paul gives us the greatest encouragement we could ever have for suffering. He's like, check it out. No matter what you're facing today, God is going to make it work out for your good. Come on, Paul. Teach God's people. Notice Paul did not say, we hope or we think, but we know. Paul knows behind every cut, behind every bruise, behind every knot, and behind every blow is a sovereign God working things together for our good. In other words, let me simplify. We know that God is in control, not our situation. That's what Paul is saying. We know that God is in control, not our situation. And he promises to work it out for our good. But hold on. Let me be clear here. Just so that we're all on the same page. Let me speak to you this morning. What the promise does not say. Paul is not saying that all things are good in the believer's life. Everything that comes into our life is not good. There is a such thing as bad news. There is a such thing as stuff just sucks, and it's just horrible, right? We want to crystallize everything and make everything look nice and pretty, but there's some ugly things in this world. There's some things that are not that pretty. There's some things we bring into our own lives that are not good. Okay, BK, say amen, say ouch. There's some things that you brought into your life. You ever brought a sack of bad news in your life? Don't look next. Don't, don't look over. Just keep looking here. Paul is not calling sin good. He's not calling cancer good. He's not calling rape good. He's not calling abuse good. He's not calling injustice good. He's not calling misogyny good. Paul is not saying all things are good. No, 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 no. He's saying that God uses all things, even evil and pain, for your good. Oh, I'm preaching now. All right, Dexter Harris, preach this thing. Paul is not saying every circumstance has a good ending. Oh, can we be real this morning? Okay, okay, I'm, I'm going to break you out of your little Christian shell, all right? We just smiling, hey, hey, hey. Hey, the only people who smile all the time is crazy people. Some of us got some bad days, all right? Some of us are in touch with reality. Okay, can I have a bad day? Can I have this moment? Okay, 
this is the day the Lord, I know this is the day the Lord has made, but it don't feel like it, feel like a day the devil has made. He's been all up and through this house. Can I be real this morning? You know, sympathize with me, you know. You get to church and they want to act like you can't have a bad day. Whatever, whatever. Amen. I ain't saying amen today. You wasn't there last night when I went through it. Don't want to hear it. All right, let me get back. Let me get back. Because here's the reality. Faithful and God-fearing people have prayed for a loved one's life to be extended only to hear the chilling words of the doctor, I'm sorry. Believing Christian parents have lost children. Godly women and men have found themselves in bad relationships. Hard-working people lose jobs. Everything does not turn out the way we want them to. And just because you got Jesus doesn't mean that you're going to get the desire in you want in your situation. I knew you wouldn't believe me, and I knew I'd probably get some emails later on, so I brought the word of God just to back me up. Come on, Jesus. This is in Hebrews, just in case you want to know. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Now, this is the chapter of faith. Watch what he says. Others suffered mocking and flogging. I'm going to read it slow because I want you to see it. And even chains in imprisonment. That's God's people. They were stoned. Now, I don't know. Somebody throw a rock at me. I may be done. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts, in mountains, and in dens and caves of the earth. Friends, everything doesn't end the way we want it to. But in spite of all the bad things that come, in, uh, come into our lives, nothing comes without the approval of God our Father. You ought to get comfort there. Nothing enters into your life without the approval of Yahweh. Okay, y'all don't remember Job. Yeah, 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 yeah. Job in the Old Testament. You remember Satan came up and said, God, I see you've been treating Job real nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only reason why he's worshiping you is because you didn't laid it out for that brother. He got all kind of sheep and cattle and all kinds of things. If you take it away from him, he'll stop worshiping you. But this is what I want you to notice, that Satan had to come to God to ask for permission for what suffering can come into Job's life. Okay, you didn't shout loud enough. Let me help you out then. You know, I got, I got, three, I got three children. My teenager ain't got no problem. with. I got problems, but not in this particular situation. But the two little ones, every time we go out to eat, they always struggling with what they want to eat, particularly Dakai. Lila, she can't talk that good. She just points to things, and she points to several things. And, 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 and even when they do make up their mind on what they want to eat, they get everything that's bad for them. Mm -hmm. They want the cookies. They, they want the Oreos. Y'all remember, I got swung on for an Oreo. Y'all remember that. My two-year-old, if you're visiting, swung on me for an Oreo. That's just a side note. But they want to order all the bad things. And so daddy got to step in and take over the plate and order what's good for them. Although they don't like vegetables, daddy knows that you 
need vegetables. And so daddy say, give me those carrots. Give me those string beans. They don't understand it now. But when they get older, they're going to thank me for ordering those vegetables. Friends, God has complete control over our plates. And he instructs what should land on our plates. And God knows that you need your vegetables. Although you don't want your vegetables, although you don't want any suffering, although you don't want any pain, God knows that that pain is going to work out for your good. All right, all right, I hear y'all. Okay, Pastor, can we keep it real in this piece, though? Can we keep it real? Man, sometimes, y'all know how church folks get sometimes when they're going through it. Do I need another mic? Come on, bring it on up here. That's all right. Y'all know how church folks get sometimes, right? We get mad when we're in the midst of our pain. We say things like, hey, bro, I ain't trying to hear that Jesus stuff right now. I'm not trying, I'm not trying to hear that Bible stuff right now. And yes, I remember what you said last week, Pastor. The Holy Spirit is in our corner. And I remember you said the Holy Spirit is praying for us. But if I can be real, man, sometimes I don't feel like God is in my corner. Well, Paul knows how suffering people think because he was a suffering saint himself. Paul knows someone's going to say, Pastor, it doesn't feel like God is in my corner. I feel like God has forsaken me. Have you seen my job situation? Have you met my husband? Come on, talk to me this morning. Have you encountered my children? Did you see the conversation in my wife's DM? Do you know he hasn't touched me for years? Suffering makes us doubt the goodness of God. Can we be real in this place? Paul is waiting for that person. As pastors, we have to what? Hold up the light of the gospel in the midst of people craziness. And sometimes as a pastor, you may get cussed out. Because the pain can be so intense. The embarrassment can be so intense. The disappointment can be so intense. And when we are going through, we get angry. And can I pause here parenthetically for just a moment? Sometimes, church, when people are in their pain, they don't need to hear a sermon. They need you to wrap your arms around them and to remind them that you love them, that somebody's walking through it with them. But Paul wants us to see this promise as an object of truth and not a subjective truth. Even when we're not holding on to this promise, this promise is holding on to us. Let me say that again. Even when we're not holding on to this promise, this promise is holding on to us. I wish I had some people in the room that knew that the promises of God go far beyond you and can hold on to you 
in your situation. We are like those people who are observing the artist and we are observing the builder. When we look at the artist when he's in process and we look at the paint job and we say, this looks like a hot mess. And we look at the builder and we say, this is a hot mess. But here's the reality. What looks like a hot mess to you look like a piece of art to the artist because the artist got the full design in mind. The builder has the full design in mind. So every stroke counts in every brick counts because everything that he's doing is working out for a greater plan. Friend, all of your suffering is designed by God. But question, Pastor, how can God take bad and make good come out? How can God take bad and make good come out? Remember Paul said, we know, know what? That God makes all things work for our good. Okay, I read too fast. That God makes all things work for our good. I don't know if you caught the subject there, but the subject is God. Friends, that's a huge statement to make. That's a bold statement to make. God is saying that he's able to take our bad and turn it into good. You don't just get to make that statement, but remember who's making this statement. He didn't say your boyfriend can work it out for good. He didn't say your mama can work it out for good. He didn't say your daddy could work it out for good. He didn't say your doctor could work it out for good. But he said that God can work it out for good, and God is sovereign. Now, we hear a lot of big theological words, but but what does sovereign mean? What does it mean to be sovereign. God's sovereign power means that God has all power in his hands. It means that there's no creature that is outside of his jurisdiction. That means that there's no demon outside of his reach. It means that none of his plans can be thwarted. Whatever God plans will happen. Job puts it this way, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. We know that all things work for our good because nothing can stop God. And if you can't stop God, you can't stop his people. As long as God is for us, then who can be against us? If God is on your side, it doesn't matter what you're going through. God has the ability and the resources to turn that thing out for good. Need I remind you of Joseph. Y'all remember faithful Joseph, dreaming Joseph. Joseph in the book of Genesis, what happened to Joseph? Joseph got sold into slavery. He got sold into prison, but was any of it able to stop God? No, it was not. But if that didn't get you excited, let me go on over to Jesus. He was betrayed by Judas. They crucified him. They hung him high, but none of it was able to stop God's plan. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly. But, 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 this promise is not for everyone. Yeah, this promise is, this promise is, is not for everyone. I know it's Easter and you feel good, but, but, but if I can be real, this promise here is not for everyone. Let's look a little bit closer at the verse because there's a condition to this promise. If you look closely at verse 28, Paul goes on to say 
to whom this encouragement belongs. Paul explains those whom God is working for. He said that absolutely everything is ordered by God for your good. Well, to whom is the promise made? To whom is the commitment made? For whom is the encouragement intended? Look at the verse. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are what? Called according to his purpose. You're going to be glad I did my homework. These are two descriptions of the same group of people. Paul is describing believers in two ways. Lean in on this. And it's very important for you to see how this is describing us. One of the most distinguishing marks of a believer is love for God. One of the distinguishing marks of a believer is love for God. Paul says those who love God. This is a code for authentic Christianity. Love God is a mark of those who are saved by God. Those who love God have been saved by God. But what does loving God look like? Because there's a lot of people that say that they love God. There's a lot of people that raise their hand. There's a lot of people that shout. There's a lot of people that call on the name of Jesus. But in the gospel, Jesus tells us what it looks like to love God. Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Okay, did you catch that? If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Now, he didn't say, if anyone keep my word, he will love me. No, he said, if you love me, the overflow of it is love for my word. And he says, my father will love him, and he will come to him and make our home with him. If we love God, we will obey his word. If we love God, we will delight in his word. You just don't get to say, I love God, and ignore his word. This is called walking in the spirit. There's no such thing as Christians who hate God. There's no such thing as a child of God hating God. And how can we after Good Friday where they hung him high and they stretched him wide? How can we not love God in this room when we look into the depths of his immense love for us? God loved us first. And friends, that's key. Because Paul didn't just leave it at our wimpy, feeble love. He actually turns us to the love of God. And I'm glad that he didn't leave it there because we would be under, it, under the impression that God's sole encouragement to work things out in our favor is based on our feeble love for him. I'm so grateful that God's love is not totally dependent on my love because one day I love him and one day I don't love him. One day I want to walk with him and one day I don't want to walk with him. One day I want to pray to him and one day I don't want to pray to him. One day I want to read my word and one day I don't want to read my word. I'm so grateful that his love is unconditional. Paul says that it is for those who love God and called according to his purpose. 
In other words, God calls us out of darkness. God calls us out of mess. What comes first, the chicken or the egg? Nobody knows the answer to that. But what comes first, God's love or our love? God love comes first. Let me put some flesh and bones on this. Do you remember Matthew, the tax collector? Here's Matthew minding his business. He's on the beach. He's collecting taxes as he always does. He shows up to work. He's doing what he does on a daily basis. He's working his nine to five. He's minding his own business. But here's the thing about Matthew. Matthew is a wicked man. He is a, he's considered the scum of the earth. In the Jewish context, a tax collector was one of the worst people you can meet. That's why the Pharisees would say, whoa, he's hanging around sinners and tax collectors because to be a tax collector was to be an awful person. And here's Matthew, the tax collector, and what does Jesus do? Jesus shows up at his job. You know that God will show up at your job. He showed up at his job, and what does he say? Does he say, hello, Matthew, how are you? No, he doesn't. He say, hey, you, follow me. Oh, y'all didn't catch that. Matthew's minding his business Jesus steps into Matthew's life, and he says, Matthew, follow me. Scumbag Matthew. Nasty Matthew. Getting over Matthew. No good Matthew. Follow me. But then it gets even better. Not only does he step into his life, he steps into his house. Oh, now watch it now. Because when Jesus steps into the house of Matthew, guess who's there? More people like Matthew, scumbags, getting over people, no good people, prostitutes, those who people have marginalized, those who people are saying is no good. And here's Jesus. You know what Jesus I'm talking about, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the Holy One, the Righteous One, steps into the house of Matthew. Friends. Before we can step into the love of God, God has to step into our hearts. He has to step into our lives. He has to step into our situation. Before God could step into anybody's situation, he had to order the steps of Jesus Christ. Because when God steps into our lives, he orders our steps. Oh, I feel my help coming on now. The Bible says the steps of the righteous man is ordered by God. But before he could order our steps, he had to order his steps. He stepped out of eternity down into time. He stepped out of royalty down into poverty. He stepped into the womb of a woman, stepped into Bethlehem, stepped into Nazareth, stepped into the temple, started teaching scholars, stepped into Cana, turned a bottle of Dasani into a bottle of Pinot Grigio. He stepped on top of the water, kept Peter from drowning. He stepped into another city, fed 5,000 with a lunchable, and one Friday, he stepped up a hill called Calvary, where they hung him high, and they stretched him wide, and for you and me, he died, and you know what happened after they stretched him wide, and they hung him high, hell got happy, the demons started celebrating, 
the earth started shaking. The satyrian soldier said, surely we made a mistake. This has got to be the son of God. But not only did he step up that hill, he stepped out of the grave on the third day. And because he stepped out of the grave, he can step into my life. He can step into my situation. He can step into my circumstance. Oh, because he got up, he can step into our situation. But hold on, hold on, hold on. Now here's where the grave and the resurrection gets personal. Hold your shout. Because our eschatology has broken into our existential hell. Okay, I'll do some big words. Let me help you out. Okay, what is eschatology? When I went to Moody, we had to study eschatology. And eschatology is the study of what's to come. Eschatology is the study of the end. And the beautiful part about the resurrection is it allows our eschatology to break into our right now situation. Okay, let me help you out. Y'all remember Martha? Fussing Martha. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Busy Martha. Uh-huh. In the house getting things ready for Jesus. Watch this. Her brother dies. Word gets to Jesus. Hey, Jesus, your homeboy Lazarus, the one that you love, the one that you're cool with, has died. Jesus says, that's all good. I'm going to go ahead and let him die anyways. And Jesus shows up to the repast when everybody's eating chicken and his friend is already dead. And what does Martha say? Martha runs up to Jesus, and she says this. Check this out. Almost blew my mind. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Okay, here it comes. But, okay, I read too fast. I didn't catch that. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But, now for all y'all education, uh, 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 for all you teachers in the room, that but is a conjunction. You remember that old song? Conjunction, junction, what's your function? So what's ever getting ready to come after the but is getting ready to kick the butt of what was just said. Okay? Keep on with me. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have not died. But even now. But even now, what are you saying, Martha? Even now in my pain, even now in my circumstance, even now in my situation, even now in my difficulty, even now in my darkness, even now when the clouds are above me, right now in this circumstance, you can make a difference. You can make a change even now. Now watch this. But even now I know that whatever you ask God, God will give you. I mean, he is Jesus after all. All of his prayers get answered. Now watch this. Hold your shout. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Let me say it over here. Your brother will rise again. Now you got to be a bad boy to say that. Martha said to him, watch this, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. 
I love it when he says this. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Oh, I'm about to preach this thing. Though he die, yet shall he live. In other words, even if death does come knocking, even if death does show up, if you believe in me in the end, you win. Okay, 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 okay. So y'all didn't shout. No matter what your blank is, in the end, according to biblical eschatology, you win. Okay, okay, okay. Final analysis. And I'm, and I'm in my seat. One of the things, I'm going to admit this, no judgment in the room. We family here, okay? It's Easter Sunday. I don't want nobody talking about me afterwards. I'm going to go ahead and admit this, and I'm going to put my business out in the street. But once I put it out there, I don't want nobody gossiping about me, okay? We got a deal. Okay, let me sip some water real fast. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and admit this because y'all cool. I'm cool with y'all. When I was younger, I used to run home to, to watch two shows. One was... Power Rangers. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Go, go, Power Rangers. You Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. I used to run home to go watch me some Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. But there was another show that I used to love, and it was, it was wrestling. WWF, World Wrestling Federation. But they had to change it to WWE, World Wrestling entertainment. Now, jack me up, y'all. I used to run home because I thought that those who were fighting were winning the matches because they were so strong and so big. And I would run home to see The Rock. Y'all remember The Rock, right? Oh, I used to love The Rock. He used to take that, 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 that people's elbow off and raise that eyebrow. And he said, do you smell what The Rock is cooking? And I used to think that The Rock was winning those fights because he was so big and so strong. But WWE had to admit that the fights were fixed. Mm -hmm. That the person running WWE had already determined and declared who would win in the end. Oh, y'all not with me yet. And so, and so all, the, all The Rock had to do was show up for the fight. It didn't mean that he wouldn't get in the headlock. It doesn't mean that he wouldn't get thrown out the ring. It didn't mean that he wouldn't get hit with a chair. But what it did mean is that the one who was running WWE had already determined that The Rock would win. And friends, I came to tell you, that's what resurrection power is. God has already determined that we shall win. All you got to do is show up for the fight. You keep on swinging and you keep on going because the one who runs everything has already determined in the end we win. In the end, we win. I'm not saying that you won't end up in a headlock in life. I'm not saying that life won't throw you out of the ring. I'm not saying that somebody won't come from behind you and hit you with a metal table. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is no weapon formed against you shall prosper. 
What I'm saying is all things work together for the good of those who love him and called according to his purpose. What I'm saying is when you got resurrection power, it doesn't matter what the fight looks like. It has already been determined that the battle is already won because when he got up on the third day, you know he got up with all power in his hands. So there's nothing that he can't do. There's no battle he cannot win. There's no situation that you're going through that God cannot fix and friends we shall overcome we shall overcome because it is for freedom that he set us free we shall overcome although our situation doesn't look the way we want it to look we shall overcome although the devil be against us we shall overcome Although the doctor has given us a bad note, we shall overcome. Although your kids may be acting up, we shall. It doesn't matter what the job looks like, we shall. It doesn't matter what you're going through, you shall. Y'all better say it like y'all believe it in this room. We shall overcome. It doesn't matter what it looks like, we shall overcome. 